Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Adrian Goldberg's talk show. And I've come today to the house of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad is a, a curator, he's an artist, well known for his work in the world of aerosol art or graffiti. And I'm sitting in his lounge in Birmingham. Mohammed's just finished curating an exhibition called Knights of the Raj, which was dedicated to the Curry House pioneers of Birmingham. Uh, Mohammed, what inspired you to do that? I've kind of done a full circle in a way because ever since I was young, I've been involved with the industry. As far as back as I can remember, since I was maybe 11 years old, after school, I'd be helping my father in his restaurant. He's had a number of restaurants going back all the way to the 70s. We started off with the fish and chip shop. Uh, but he's been involved with the trade, you know, from the, he came, he arrived in this country in 1957. And growing up in school, you know, I'd be helping my dad out the weekend, uh, sometimes after school. Uh, and this is what I grew up with, really, the Indian restaurant trade. And this is all I know. And I just wanted to, after the passing of my father, about nine years ago, I, w- I went on a quest to try and uncover who he was. So this is how Knights of the Raj came about. So it, it's partly about celebrating uh, the Indian restaurant trade, and people will know that Birmingham's famous for the for the Balti Belt, but also for you then, a bit of a, a personal journey of discovery. Absolutely. For me, um, my work's about telling stories, whatever it is, whether I'm painting a, you know, a piece of art or a, making some something creative, it's about giving voice to people and myself, really, my, myself coming from a community, a son of an immigrant of the Bangladeshi community. I wanted to go on this personal journey to give something back to my community, really. And that's what Knights of the Raj, in essence, that's where it started off as. It was a, it was a, kind of my contribution to a community that I feel I have neglected, if I'm honest. What did your dad say about his struggles on arriving in this country. My father arrived in Birmingham in 1957. And this is really the beginning of, this is how the project started off. Because I remember um, hearing the stories of my father sitting in the restaurant, waiting for customers and uh, looking out the window. And he'd tell me those stories about how he struggled in the early days when he arrived. He would tell us about, you know, having to go to the factories, working at the BSA factory and how there was this many men that were living in the same house and they'd even share beds. There'd be a shift system of the beds. While one was at work, the other person would be sleeping and they would rotate and share a bed in that way. And if I'm honest, at that time, it would be in an, in one ear and out the other. As a youngster, as a young teenager, I wasn't interested then. And that's really the reason why I'm doing this project because I felt like now, especially after he's now gone, it's now that you appreciate the value of such stories, how important those stories are for us to reflect on where we are now, where I am now, and where I'm going in future, you know, where my children are going if I reflect on the on, on what it took to get here. Do you think that the Bangladeshi community in particular as well is, is kind of un- underrepresented, not really talked about? We tend to talk about the Indian community, the Pakistani community, less so about the Bangladeshi community. Bangladesh is relatively a new country. I mean, in 1972, in the, war, the war of independence with East and West Pakistan, um, this is the reason why many are probably still not very familiar with Bangladesh. What's, what's Bangladesh exactly? It's growing up myself, you know, when people would speak of my, my parents' heritage and where I'm from, you know, people would be a bit puzzled as to, you know, people would think of, you know, India and Pakistan has like a lot of different connotations and, and positive ones as, you know, in India you think about 
Bollywood music and, you know, the Taj Mahal, etc. You know, Pakistan, for example, you would have, you know, cricketers and things like that. You know, there, there are those Bangladesh, just, I would always be faced with blank expressions. Like, what, what is that? Where is that? And what is it known for? This frustrated me because uh, for me, knowing and being from the industry, knowing that well, at that point, 85% to 90% of Indian restaurants, so-called Indian restaurants, are actually Bangladeshi-owned. And my father was one of those pioneers. It was rather frustrating that people were oblivious to this. I felt it was a duty for me to inform people to say, hey, look, this is what my parents did. They transformed cuisine in this country. Chicken tikka masala came about you know, from the struggles of, of Bangladeshi migrants, only just to claim that narrative, reclaim that story that was, I felt, almost stolen from us, if you like. We don't have much else. So actually, something that was so important for this country that people establish as, you know, part and parcel of, of the British way to go for a curry. I thought, hang on, the credit needs to be given to those who deserve the credit. Um, so this, this was really frustrating and, and I felt a duty. Is there any obvious reason why Bangladeshis of all the migrants from the subcontinent focused on the restaurant trade? Initially, a lot of the men, including my father, worked in the, uh, the foundries in Birmingham and a lot of the, 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 fa- the factories. And, you know, my father worked at the BSA. Um, Which is a big factory in Small Heath in Birmingham, where my mum, who was an I- Irish immigrant, actually right. worked for, for, a, for a time as well. That's right. You know, it served a lot of the immigrant communities. You know, it was a source of livelihood in that way. And it was, that's where a lot of them started off. These were the, this the industry they came into. But it it just took, you know, a few of those who, who kind of experimented and said, hey, you know, in in a cafe that were there where someone had uh, ownership of, they introduced curry on the menu. And then they realized this was quite easy work in comparison to the factories and the and the hard slogging that they had to, had to go through. So it was a kind of an, you know, a few people tried it out and then it just caught on and then suddenly restaurants became the new new thing for the community. But it certainly just took a few of those visionaries and early pioneers who said, I'm going to try out curry in my cafe and then it just exploded from there. Uh, the history of racism in the 60s and 70s in Britain is well documented. Uh, but... In terms of your own dad's experience, did he talk much about that? Was that something that he experienced, part of what he had to contend with? You know, that's really interesting because this is the first thing that I was I was kind of rushing to find out about. And it was really interesting to find that the early immigrants, my mother and my father, they would say, people were lovely to us. We didn't have any issues. They actually treated us really res- with respect. And this was what, in the 1960s, early 60s? Yeah, the late 50s and the 60s. And the 60s. Mm. Yeah, my mum in the late 60s. She, she was from Sparkbrook. And in Spark, and that time, Sparkbrook was a very different area. With There were the very few immigrants at the time. Literally, I count them on one hand, I believe. And it really intrigues me that at that time, that my parents would talk about being of colour, but also be just being treated with respect at that time. Things changed, though, of course. Things changed. Um, as time went by but also another thing you look at the photographs in the Knights of the Raj exhibition you see a lot of the Bangladeshi men who married white British women very well to do they were dressed the men were dressed you know impeccably and the women were in fur coats and you would think my gosh here we have white indigenous British women marrying Bangladeshi immigrants from a working class background that and you fast forward that to today you, you kind of think really it's amazing to think that that was the, you know, that's what was happening at that time. 
and it was common and there were many you know families and children came from those relationships and they they you know and they're still some of those are still around till this day but i just felt like shining a spotlight on that situation where you know how these immigrants were treated and how they perhaps married into the local population that really intrigues me and paints a different picture of of britain right and how immigrants might have been perceived do you think then that the narrative of discrimination against immigrants has been overplayed or did things change at some point in history things of course did change because then going into the 870s 80s there's no doubt the narrative completely changes to where you hear about drunks coming into these restaurants using the p word and all kinds of things that i even saw growing up in the 80s and the trouble we had to deal with because of racist racist bigots that we had to deal with the, the drink the beer and all all that contributed to things changed i can't give a single sole reason as to why that changed but what i have tracked is that there's a definite change of how people were perceiving the these these immigrants that were you know going into the 80s into the 90s but you must have speculated about what changed and you must have talked about it with your dad and with your family i think um you know we see white flight in certain communities sparkbrook has been a classic example i was born and raised in in sparkbrook how communities just kind of you know moved on and actually communities grew and they became very one dimensional you know and that meant that communities were becoming more and more insular you know and that actually troubles me greatly that the city of birmingham and till this day it still suffers from this image of people who perceive it as being very segregated there's this truth in that of course as to why that has you know why that's been the case how is it that we were able to interact and engage with each other i remember my father you know we we were we would have the bank manager coming into our home things were very different then you know we would treat them for dinner he had a personal relationship with his bank manager and you know all the customer the customers we'd even treat them in our own homes some of our regular customers would come and my mum would cook for them right that's the kind of level of interaction that 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 took place and then sadly other things something went wrong down the line and that's something that i'm i'm uh, intrigues me and i feel like we need to study and explore at the same time though your dad and many of his peers are classic immigrant success stories aren't they and they show that britain is an open society a society where if you come and you work hard and you've got a little bit of talent you can make your way and do do very well absolutely you know i mean um my father would always have this what i describe as a slightly different approach to myself because i'm born and raised here and i would struggle with this because this is where we kind of clashed he would kind of speak of the gratitude for being given the opportunity and the place in society um to come here and and flourish and he would kind of speak to me about son we just got to get our head down be thankful for it my approach was i'm born and raised here right i'm not a visitor i'm not someone who's has to be subservient because i you know i'm born here i don't know any other place that is home whereas our parents but had had come from somewhere else they were brought up somewhere else their their life was somewhere else completely so he, my father would always speak about the kind of the opportunities that he was given and and of course you know i i can see from his perspective but for me the fine line was you know that gratitude and then a kind of almost a subservience to 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 others you know to the point where you'd be you would you wouldn't even find your own voice where you would feel like you didn't deserve a voice and that's the difference between his generation and my generation because for me it was this is who I am and I can shout about it and I will shout about my identity 
and who I am and have a confidence to say, this is me, as opposed to someone who will be fearful of speaking too loud. The reception of the Knights of the Rods exhibition, which has been covered on the BBC World Service, has gone around the UK in newspapers and so on, shows that there is a real appetite for this kind of history, a history that maybe we haven't heard enough of until this point. The appetite is certainly there. The appetite is certainly there. People are crying out for something new that would shed a light on the immigrant, the the story of immigrants in this country. You know, with everything that's kind of being kind of whipped up out there in terms of media and the politics of all of this, of what the immigrants contribute. I think people felt like the Knights of the Raj are a breath of fresh air in that it was showing, throwing a, a different spotlight in a different form as well, in a museum, in a cultural space like the a city major museum. To be able to throw a spotlight on a story that is quite familiar with many as well. We all love a curry. You know, curry is... Is something that you know it's part and parcel of British society, and to throw a different light on something that we thought we knew, I always describe it as this is the story that Britain was never told, the real story, the backstory of how curry came to Britain. So I think for that reason, I think people have responded greatly to it. That has been such a hype because I think the story also has some kick to it as well. It really isn't something that is about the way I put it is this just a kind of typical romantic story of East and West about, oh, look how the immigrants and look how they brought this lovely curry. It has got some kick to it. It really is a very in-your-face approach. This is was deliberate on my part. In your face to say, this is who we are. This is what curry, this is where it came from. The racism, the gritty stories, we're not shying away from any of this. For us to really engage and connect and have real meaningful dialogue, we have to hear each other's stories, however unpleasant they are.